I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. Okay, for the record, Cordelia, who are you? Actually, Um, let me me restart that. (laughs) I totally botched that. Wait, wait, who are you? I'm Cordelia. Ah, okay. You are the person who uh, drags piano through the Wyoming snow for fun, right? Yeah, okay, and also a new member of the Diaries team. That's true. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, Cordelia, we are really psyched to have you be a part of this team, um, and we're psyched to to hear from you moving forward. Um, pretty awesome to have you here. So Thanks, Fitz. But let's talk about today's show. Let's, come on, stay on stay on point, Cordelia. Right, come on. All right, okay. So, climb for clean air, race for the cure, cycle for survival. Chances are you've probably heard of an event like one of these. I Yep, I totally have. So there are a ton of events out there that follow kind of a similar formula. So insert your activity, insert your problem that could use some extra funding. And by participating, you have some fun and you raise money. And everybody wins in these situations, right? I mean, like, like when I've done them, it's pretty cool. You do the activity you love. You support something you care about while you do it. And, you know, sometimes the connection, it's it feels like a little contrived or maybe a little bit flimsy or maybe even non-existent. Like, I'm not totally sure what climbing has to do with clean air, but it works. It's good. You raise money and it doesn't really matter. We, so we totally get pitched a lot about these events like people write us and they're like oh let me tell you all about this incredible thing we're doing it's for a good cause and like we love them they're awesome that people do that but it's not really how we cover stories uh, at the diaries it, it just doesn't really feel like a fit for us but we heard about this one event that was just so weird and so creative and irreverent and cool that we were like somebody from the diaries just has to do this and it was when we saw it, it was like, where do we sign up? Or maybe more accurately, it was like, how does Cordelia sign up? Um, <laughs> how did how did you become the one on our team who got this this assignment? I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that wanted to run that far. Ah, the running thing. Yes. Okay, so today's show, there are, as you all know, a lot of serious problems in this world. But the solutions, they don't always have to be serious. Today, you're going to need a few things. You're going to need running shoes, a commitment to making the world a little bit better, some sunscreen, and a caddisfly. Don't worry, it doesn't make sense to me either, but fortunately, that's what Cordelia is here for. I'm Fitzcahal, and you're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries.
what's your name? Lane. Lane. <laughs> so what do you? What's your role in this race? What's your responsibility? Me and Kate start it. How do you start it? Shooting a can with a BB gun. It's a nippy fall morning outside of Gunnison, Colorado. A raggle-taggle assembly of runners huddles, frigid at the start line. The sound of the Lake Fork River trickles through the pre-race chatter. Kate and Lane Todd, who are 11 and 8 years old, square BB rifles on their shoulders and take aim at an unopened can of PBR. Are the safety's off, do not. You're pointed at the camera. <laughs> one. On the count of three. One, two, three. The girls both hit their marks, and shitty domestic beer, that's what their dad calls it, gushes out of the holes. The runners launch down the gravel road, and we clap and cheer them on. This is no ordinary running race. There are no sleek jerseys, no fancy shoes, no jogging in place at the start. No, these runners carry backpacks and extra socks. Fly fishing rods poke out of their pockets and layers dangle around their waists. The sound of bouncing tackle clinks and jingles as they bob along. A few of them even run with cans of fine Colorado craft beer. This is a flyathlon. Flyathlon pairs trail running, fly fishing, and craft beer. Meet Andrew Todd, the founder of this event. The beer drinking isn't actually part of the competition. I would always just have my running shoes in my car and, and fly rod. and So I started doing it just because that's what I did. And then decided I could turn it into an event. He grabbed some buddies and headed into the mountains. We had so much fun that we permitted the first annual Sawatch Flyathlon. Since then, the trail running, fly fishing, beer drinking triathlon has taken off. Andrew and his crew have hosted flyathlons for four years now, and they've expanded to an average of three events per year in Colorado and in Iowa. Upwards of 130 people participate annually in Andrew's race, and that's with zero advertising on their part, just word of mouth. People have heard about this event and come to participate from all over the country. Today, people are here from Missouri, Colorado, and New Mexico. Here are the rules. Run 10 miles. Catch a fish. Basically, don't be a jackass. No fishing over somebody's shoulder. No crashing into people on the trail. It's pretty straightforward. It's catch and release, and it's meant to be fun. All these things, craft beer, fly fishing, trail running, can all be kind of pretentious. And what we're trying to do is offer these things to them in a setting that's laid back. The flyathlon also raises money for conservation, to give back to the rivers and resources they use as fishermen and trail runners. Andrew figures the best way to get people to care about conservation is to make sure they're having fun while they're doing it. Less than a mile in, Katie Bergert has veered off the trail and is clawing her way down the steep rock scrabble to the river. I'm going to, I think, start with a dry dropper and see if I can pull anything out of that slow water over there. Katie rigs up her rod. Goosebumps form on her bare legs, and her fingers shake slightly from the cold. This is her second flyathlon, so she's thought her strategy through. Most of the people who caught fish caught fish on their way to the halfway point, and then people who fish on their way back didn't have as much luck, so I'm going to try to start early. She thinks that she'll probably have better luck fishing these holes while they're fresh, before anyone has tipped the fish off that there are a bunch of flyathletes running around hungry for a bite. Plus, she's playing to her strengths by fishing first. Are you a trail runner, too? 
No. No. <laughs> it's the only race I run every year. Well, I guess this is my second year doing it, but I don't, I don't run a lot of races. The course is five miles out and five back. It follows the Lake Fork River the whole time, which is an unbelievable turquoise color, and it swims with rainbow trout, brown trout, and even some kokanee salmon that come up from the Blue Mesa Reservoir. The river notches itself into a canyon and runs deeper and deeper through the sloping granite walls. Douglas firs and juniper speckle one side and sagebrush the other. Inside the canyon, the air is cool and damp. Katie flings her line through the air, and it lands in a dark pool. She keeps an eye on her dry fly as it drifts smoothly down and waits for it to suddenly dive underwater. And in that case, hopefully there will be a fish on the end and not a rock. Racers can peel off the trail at any point to catch a fish, which they have to measure with the ruler provided on their race bib and photograph for evidence at the finish line. The way the race works is that there's a point system, so your running time gets reduced based on the length of your fish. Native fish get extra points, and there are prizes for biggest and smallest fish, too. So you don't even have to be that fast if you're good at fishing. Oh, strategy. This event is even better than chess. This is James Todd, Andrew's dad. He brought Andrew up fishing, and he and his wife have come to all of these races. They're stationed at checkpoint one, taking down bib numbers and handing out water. Uh, the whole event is very much strategically oriented because if you're a good runner, maybe you want to run to the top and come back down and fish. But what if the spot you've scoped out to fish in has already been fished by two other people and the fish aren't, aren't rising anymore? But on the other hand, if you fish first, you might have to run 10 miles with wet feet. Get the uh, hard part out of the way, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I wanted to catch the fish and have, you know... Eight more miles in front of me. I catch up to a group of guys who decided to do the whole run first and then catch a fish. Plus it's beta. I haven't been on this river before, so you can check it out on the way down to the turnaround. and then oh, You can scope think out of... all the spots. Exactly. Yeah. For some people, this is their first or second time fishing. And for others, like Katie, their first or second time running. The varying levels of experience and high levels of enthusiasm creates a fun-loving, humorous environment. Nobody seems to take themselves too seriously. <laughs> and if they do, there's a way to remedy that at the halfway point. Can I interest you in uh, water, uh, bars, whiskey, or tequila? Ooh, I will take a shot of tequila. Shot of tequila. Please. Right. A little kick in the butt for the run home. There you go. Thank yeah, I you. Gotta, I gotta get a photo up. Jake Moberly tilts his head back and takes a swig. How is that? Good? <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Try it, right? <laughs> he smacks his lips and looks back up the canyon. Reinforced, he takes off running. The morning turns to afternoon, and the sun finally glows through the canyon. Most racers have hit the halfway point and turned around, some having caught fish and some not. Although the sun feels amazing, it might be affecting the fishing slightly. The water's clearer now, so the actual flies aren't so keen to make a dash to the surface, and the fish are hanging out at the bottom. To make sure nobody gets too frustrated or desperate, two fishing guide volunteers, or fish whisperers, are stationed along the river to help. This is called Flyagra, right here. <laughs> this will keep your dry fly floating for quite some time. Kevin Terry is doctoring up people's flies with a bubbly white liquid. And up the road, his fellow fish whisperer, Ben McGee, is coaching racer after racer as they scramble to catch a fish before the cutoff time. 
uh, it's a lot like speed dating. Like somebody who you've never met runs up to you and they're like, who are you? What's your name? And you're like, uh, I'm Ben. Nice to meet you. And they're like, cool, let's fish. And then they catch a fish and like, oh my God, I love you. And so they like hug you and like they're squeezing you so tight. And I'm like, please let go. And, uh, and then they just run off on, and then you get the next person who's like, hey, what's your name? Hi, nice to meet you. Let's catch a fish. And it's, it's cool. Yeah. Ben was a fly fishing guide for a number of years and now volunteers with the Flyathlon. Yeah, so I get a lot of people that come up and they're like in tears. They're like, I'm struggling so bad. Like, I just want to catch a fish so bad. I'm like, okay, deep breath. Let's calm down. This is just a race. You know, we're, we're, we're having fun, you know, still having fun. So let's drink some water, whatever it is. And then we'll catch a fish and then they're like jubilant. And it's like this roller coaster of emotions in a short period of time. So He says normally the key to catching a fish, especially in a race, is just staying calm concentrating. Sometimes you have what feels like a line behind you, you know, it's like, I'm so desperate for fish, like, I got, and then the, another person shows up, like, no, I'm even more desperate, like, don't help her, you know, help me, and it's like, it's, it's, it's cool. A racer from Missouri, Luke Dennis, finds Ben with about a mile to go, and still no fish. They clamber down to the river through the thick willows and try a few casts. You're flirting with danger on those uh, on those trees, yeah. So if you try to squ- uh, square your back up a little bit, and it's a little awkward to, like to pick. Yep, okay. yeah, it's gonna that's gonna save you a lot of. Ben explains to Luke that you want your fly and your line to be moving at the same speed in the water, because otherwise the fish will notice something funky yes. about that bug and they won't swipe at it. Because they're conserving energy, they won't chase after something that doesn't look like a fly. These are creatures that have been evolving for a long time, so they're pretty good at IDing their food. Another thing you have to think about is what the flies are doing in the stream, those little guys that encase themselves in rock houses and eventually sprout wings and fly around. You have to know, if you're a really good fisherman, what stage of life they're in and whether they're going to be floating in the middle of the river or rising to the top, because ideally that's where you want to cast your fly. Luke casts a few more times and then heads up the river to try his luck on a few different holes towards the finish line. I stay on the river with Ben and watch a few more racers come through, mesmerized by the motion of the water and the line in a ribbon dance above it. We cast our eyes into the water again and again, panning for movement, searching for the life that exists beneath her ripples. I realized there as I began to see fish underwater and naturally follow the current with my arm, how important this all was. It's hard to put into words. I just knew this needed to be here forever. But there's no guarantee that this will be here forever. A lot of what I'm looking at now, the pristine water, the habitat, the fish, is not protected. And so it takes events like this, it takes organizations, it takes these educational moments where you actually teach people to care. This is Ben again. Or you don't even have to. It's a very natural thing. If you invite people out to places like this, they leave here caring about native fish and about what you're doing and your causes and stuff. And so the intended purpose just happens naturally. It's, it's good. It certainly worked on me. And apparently, I'm not alone. People that don't fish or don't fly fish, they come to this event and they want to. This is Matt White, one of the organizers of the event. And then we have several people that were here last year or the year before and they'd never fly fished before or they did but they didn't know what they were doing and then they come here and they get so excited that they go back and they fish and with that passion, that all of a sudden newfound or renewed passion for what we do here, 
they want to be a part of something that raises money to protect it because all of a sudden now they're hooked and they're in and they want to go. And what do we need to do to make sure this stays here? And that's where the fundraising comes. Over the past four years, the Flyathlon has raised over $100,000. That has all gone towards river restoration projects in Colorado. And that's all by crowdfunding from racers. Andrew actually started a nonprofit last year called Running Rivers to hold the Flyathlon and to partner with conservation organizations around the state. Here's Andrew again. In the past, we've partnered with what we call our conservation partners, and that's been Colorado Trout Unlimited, Western Native Trout Initiative, Volunteers for Outdoor Colorado. Those organizations all serve to protect native fish and to maintain trails. Native fish populations in Colorado are extremely low, largely because of the heavy legacy of mining in the state, as well as the amount of non-native fish that have been introduced to its lakes and rivers. It's water quality, it's fisheries management, and it's a lack of protection. This is Ben. It's a lack of awareness, though. I mean, do you know, do you know what the Colorado State fish is? No. Yeah, see? What is it? it? It's, it's the greenback cutthroat trout, and it's a critically endangered fish right now. And so, uh, In addition to getting their racers educated and passionate about rivers, the Flyathlon also works with local breweries to celebrate native fish. And this is where the third event of Flyathlon, beer, comes in. The brain cell that makes a beer snob can also make a native fish snob. With that logic in mind, Andrew has created a side project with his nonprofit called Rare Fish, Rare Beer. They team up with Colorado breweries to make beers named after native fish, such as the greenback cutthroat trout. The breweries then give a portion of their proceeds to the Flyathlon's conservation projects, and they donate some of their beer to the events. So, yeah, beer is an integral part of what we're, what we're doing. I'm just very passionate about not trashing this place, and I feel like you're going to change a lot more people's mind if they're having fun than if you're preaching to them. And yeah, the problems are big and native fish is kind of the focus of this. And like in Colorado, our native trout are in between 10 and 15% of their historic distribution. And so if you think about numbers like that, that's pretty depressing, but they're not gonna get better unless people do something. Andrew says the agencies that are working to protect the environment are working hard, but it helps them to hear that people actually care about these fish and are willing to put up some money to defend them. Yes, I think in this political climate, the people have to fight for these places because the government may not and, and may not make that a priority. Back on the Lake Fork River, the final racer charges across the finish line. Racers exchange toasts and pack up their gear, and we head back to the campground for the award ceremony. But the race isn't quite over yet. Katie, what are you, what are you about to do? <laughs> play, play a competitive game of cornhole. <laughs> That's Katie Burgert again, the girl who was fishing at the start of the race. She finished the race as top female. So she and the first male, Knud Hermanson, are on a cornhole team playing against the biggest and smallest fish champions for the final prize, which is a custom fly rod. Yep, so we're, we're on one team for cornhole, and the biggest and largest fish are on a team for cornhole. Oh, are we top man and woman? And yep. Then, okay. Yep, so then if, if we win, then you and I will shoot out for a BB gun. If they win, then they'll shoot out, or they'll okay. be, do a BB gun shootout. <laughs> Let's we, do it. We'll Let's do it. We'll just drown our and beat more beer. If you missed any of that, what Canute said was that the team that wins cornhole 
We'll duel it out in a final BB shootout to determine the overall winner of the flyathlon. There we go. Oh. Hit hard, hit hard. Oh. Katie and Canude lose their round of cornhole, so their competitors advance to the BB shootout and take aim at the line of beer cans across the street. Three, two, one, go. I got one! I got one! <laughs> Nick Dennison, a first-time fly athlete from Missouri, takes the prize. The man from Missouri. The sun sets and two campfires begin to crackle. The light glows in the faces of 50 happy, exhausted fly athletes. The mood is gregarious and people exchange stories from the day. Fish those little spots, hit three or four different holes and finally hooked up on two of them in the same hole. Uh, hooked into a lot of fish, was unable to uh, fondle a fish, as we call it, where I fish, um, which was frustrating, but beautiful day, you know, you can't beat it. Yay conservation, yay cool people, yay beer. Um, so yeah. uh, well, I fished a while. Uh, a couple of fish were hitting on my fly, but I never caught a fish, so it wasn't good. They asked them for a date later. Yeah, they were totally. <laughs> so if someone if someone listens to this story and and thinks about an event that they would they want to start like oh I could start you know rock climbing and whiskey drinking something in my backyard to raise money for something else do you have do you have advice you would give them or things that you've learned over the course of this process I, well i guess my one obvious piece of advice would be no idea is too dumb <laughs> putting trail running fly fishing and beer together was intuitive for me but people are like what and and it maybe for some it is the novelty of the event that draws them to it but they keep coming back and i would also say just have fun with it you know don't try to make it something super serious or because there's enough serious things in this world and as for andrew's kids lane and kate their advice would be to change just one little thing run fish milkshake for kids not just not beer Diaries is made possible by the good people at Patagonia, the creators of Baggies, the original multi-sport shorts. Since 1982, Baggies have been the ultimate fun hog short, and now they're made with recycled nylon. Learn more and get your own pair at patagonia.com slash baggies, or follow the hashtag what's in your baggies. Additional support comes from Kuat Racks, makers of better bike racks and accessories like U-Bar. So every bike's geometry is a little bit different. And sometimes when a bike builder creates a new invention, like that sweet new full suspension frame bike you just got, it doesn't always fit your rack. So no worries, Kuat's U-Bar can adapt almost any frame to fit their hanging style racks. Check out their full lineup at kuatracks.com. And support also comes from Boston Brewing. Are you going to be in Richmond, Virginia anytime soon? Stop by their beautiful taproom for fun events almost every night of the week, like Tabletop Tuesday Game Night, or Geeks Who Drink Trivia Night, or Keep Virginia Cozy Fundraiser on Thursdays. Yeah, 
That sounds good. Follow Vossen Brewing on social media to stay up to date on all of their events. You, our audience, you also keep the diaries thriving. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's contributed. It makes a huge difference. And thanks to Andrew for sharing his story. The third annual Lake Fork Flyathon will be held the weekend of September 14th to 16th, 2018, near Gunnison, Colorado. If you like drinking craft beer in the woods for a good cause, visit flyathon.com to register. Music today from Jazar and Dr. Turtle. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website. This episode was produced by Cordelia Zars, Jen Ulchel, Becca Cahal, and me, Fitz Cahal. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.